The Fumble Rooski podcast joins the NFL world in sending our thoughts and prayers towards Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. And we also want to offer our deepest condolences to his family as they deal with this tragedy. No matter what, we all want him to be okay. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Pal Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with Justin Tucker, no CJ tonight. He was going to be with us, but his um, his Wi-Fi uh, copped out again. Um, but as I mentioned, you guys might have seen on our story, we have moved all of our football content besides uh, the DeMar Hamlin story um, to at least Friday, and I don't think we're going to talk anything else until we know what's going um until we are we confirm um that Hamlin is all right um or at least just receive any updates um but we are going to only cover that and so we're going to split it in a few different uh sections so first we're going to talk about just our basic reflections on what just happened Cause it was a lot. I mean, it was a really, really scary event that just happened uh, with this young kid. Um, and then we're going to touch on the league's handling of the situation, kind of reflect on that. Did the league do it properly last night? Uh, we're going to talk about ESPN's coverage of the situation. Um, and then we're going to finish off with talking about what the league will do moving forward to handle um, this issue. But to start things off, if you guys have, most of you guys already uh, know this already, um, but if you haven't, we'll cover it. We got you covered. So Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, went unconscious after tackling Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins on a play. The game was indefinitely suspended soon after. Um, so it will we've all, it's already been confirmed that it will not be rescheduled this week. Um, according to his agent, um, Hamlin's vitals were restored and he has, he was put to sleep with sedate, uh, with sedative. And that was the last update on his health that we have received. So we haven't gotten anything since then. That was last night. Um, it's been officially reported that he, su he suffered cardiac arrest, uh, and the heartbeat was restored on the field. Uh, but CJ, just look, excuse me, uh, talk. Um, looking at this situation, like when, like as you were watching this all unfold, like what was, like what were, what were the thoughts that were going through your head? Like what, what were you thinking? To be honest, when I was going through the situation, uh, I, I didn't understand how severe the situation was until I heard that, he wasn't like responding and they had to resuscitate his heart. That's when I thought, yeah, this is serious. I'm thinking it's just a regular bang, bang play. I'm thinking I need the, I need the bills to do well. I need the Bengals to lose. I'm thinking like every other sports fan trying to enjoy the game. And then all of a sudden he doesn't respond. I'm thinking it's just a regular injury, no harm, no harm, no foul. But as it came out more and more, it wasn't just a regular injury and I was shocked. I wasn't fully prepared nor fully aware of the situation. And the moment that happened, I was like, damn, I hope he's okay. Cause I've never, 
I, per, in my lifetime, I've never seen a situation like that. And so when I saw it, it kind of like stunned me and shocked me and kind of made me nervous for, for his health. And so thankfully they were, they were able to restore his heart and hopefully he'll be able to make a full recovery from it and still be able to do most things in life. But I was shocked when I first heard the news. Yeah. I'm going to be like, when I first saw this situation, I immediately thought back to the lions defensive back from earlier on in the season. Um, I, I'm for, and I'm forgetting his name, um, but he collapsed on the field and he eventually, but he eventually woke up and the game eventually, you know, it, it eventually continued as scheduled. It was what, maybe 10, 15 minutes before the game resumed again. So I, I thought it was something like that. Like it, I didn't, I didn't think it was that big of a deal at first, but then I heard that they were giving him CPR. And that was when I realized, oh my, like this is, this is, this is getting real now. And this kid's life is actually in danger. And it's still, it still is. I mean, the guy's still, he needs a breathing tube and he does have a heartbeat that was restored. Most of, for the most part, his, his vitals are, are good. He's still in critical condition, but it like upon hearing that situation i didn't realize the severity right away because i've never seen anything like this not not even not just in football but in any sport we've never seen a potential a, a potential death and mm-hmm. like looking at that and like i, I just thought like are we re- are we actually going to see somebody like actually die on the field because we haven't, we've only seen that. We've all, so I'll, I'll allude to it again later on in the show, but it's only happened once. It was back in 1971, a Lions wide receiver um, died on the field. And that's the only time anything like this has happened. And uh, Carson Palmer, uh, a few years ago, predicted somebody is going to die on the field. And I thought, that's what I thought about right away. As, as soon as I realized the severity, I thought, are we going to, are we actually like, did we just witness something of this magnitude already? And I think it says a lot about how serious this was that a game of this magnitude, some, one of the high, most anticipated matchups um, in possibly in, in regular season NFL history, one of them, it could be, it could have been up there that turned into in everyone's mind in all of our minds, it turned into an afterthought. And that just told me so like, it wasn't just some, some regular, not that exciting matchup. Like this is like, this was NFL fans alike. We're all crowding around to uh, their TVs turn like that. This was going to be must see TV. And it turned into a nightmare for everyone. And another way I wanted to look at this, um, at least, at least to tell you guys as an audience. So Ryan Clark told, told, um, gave, gave this angle. And I kind of, that, that got me thinking, thinking a little bit. These players are living out their dreams, especially DeMar Hamlin. He's stepping in for pro bowl 
safety, Micah, Micah Hyde, and is not only making an impact and pay, taking meaningful snaps, but he's actually he was playing well as, too for a Super Bowl contending team. He's living the dream. And in a blink of an eye, it turns into a nightmare. And us as journalists, our dream is to be is to be somewhere on ESPN, Fox Sports, you know, one of the one of the news stations, something like that. That doesn't really ri- that's not really a risk for our lives. That our dream isn't a risk. What they are doing, these NFL players, they're living their dreams and they, they're doing something that they love. But I think we've taken for granted just how risky it is. We hear the cliches all the time. What Ryan, what, what Ryan Clark said last night. We hear, I'd go to war. I would give my life for this sport. But we've kind of taken that. It's gotten so cliche that we don't even think about the meaning of it. And we might have just seen that last night. That this kid's life is actually on the line. For something that he loves. But is it like a lot of players are going to be looking at this and saying, is this worth, is this worth my life? And you could see, see a lot more players quitting after this and leaving the game. And it's a situation that, I mean, we're, we're seeing the ugly side of the ugliest side of football that we've really never seen before, at least not us. So that's something that I, that I looked at and said, Wow. I mean, just stop, like, I'll swear on the show, shit got real. And that's something that, like, when, anytime I see a hit or anything that seems routine, I'm going to be thinking about this. I'm not, like, I'm not going to be thinking, I'm not going to take any of these, any of these tackles or anything for granted. And that's something that I kind of looked at when I was, when I saw this. Um, but I wanted to move on to and change gears here and talk about the league's handling, um, of the situation talk. So many people kind of suggested that this game should have been called earlier, that as soon as they were giving CPR to this guy immediately, you know, call the game, uh, indefinite suspension, uh, something a- along those lines, officials, allegedly gave the teams five minutes to warm up soon after this happened. Um, and we, we have seen the league has seen scary things happen before. In fact, even recently with Ryan Shazier to a tongue of Iloa earlier on in the season, if you want to go way back, there's Derek, uh, Daryl Stingley who got paralyzed as well, but something of this magnitude has only happened once. In 1971, with Lions wide receiver Chuck Hughes, um, he died on the field after being tackled. Uh, and it, uh, coincidentally, it was also against Cincinnati. Um, so, like, the way I've seen it, like, yes, maybe they could have they could have called it earlier, but could you blame the way it was? It was the way that this was handled since they've, we've never seen any of this. No one has been trained to look at a situation like this and be able to handle it. 
the way that they did. And honestly, I I had no complaints with what they with how they did it. They they gave they let everyone they let both teams go back to the locker rooms and collect sort of collect themselves, take some time to just realize what just happened and come to come to terms with what just what just occurred. And eventually they called the game. And we don't even know when the game's going to it's it, and it's an afterthought when they will even schedule reschedule the game because this kid's life is still on the line right now as we speak. But talk, what are your thoughts about how the league handled this situation? I think they did the best they could with what they were given. The players didn't go back out there. They did cancel the game and they did send the opposing team back home. And they all and they did the best they could with what they had as far as information. They got both teams medical training staff on the field to resuscitate him. It took 10 trainers to actually get him breathing on the field again. And it took all of them to get him to the, I want to say ambulance and then ship him to the hospital. And hopefully he gets better and progresses well while he's there. I think could they have tried to done things a little better? Yeah. But this is the first time for the, for the NFL to go through something like this. I know everybody wants them to be perfect and thought that they could have handled this better. But again, I don't know how the NFL could have handled this much better. They did try. They did the best that they could with what they had. I don't see how the NFL could have done much better than what they've done in this situation. Yeah. Listen, like the vast majority, I gave you, I gave only one case in all of NFL history, in the near century that football, not just the NFL, just football in general has been around. One case where someone has died on the field. So the way the officials are, are have been trained and the way it's always been going, 999 times out of a, a thousand, is that the player wakes up or, God forbid, there's some serious, serious thing. And thank God it's been this way, by the way, because – like I, the way football is, the the physicality and the the nature of the sport, I feel like this could have happened a lot more. And thank God it's it hasn't happened uh, very often. But like the mo- most of the time, the player either wakes up, he's on the stretcher, and he sticks a, up a, you know, sticks up, a, um, puts up a, the thumbs up. You know, usually you don't like. Usually everything winds up being okay within. 15 to 20 minutes and we're playing football again. So that's kind of the way the officials have gone about it. So I don't doubt that somebody said, you guys have five minutes to warm up. You guys do whatever you need to do. Take your time. Somebody probably said that, but I don't blame them for that because they, it was probably, they were trained for the situation to be how it was with Ryan Shazier or Tua Tungavailoa or Daryl, Daryl Stingley. Granted, those were still very terrifying things to happen. And, you know, thoughts and prayers still out to Ryan Shazier and Tua Tungavailoa. I hope Tua winds up being okay with this with the concussions that he's he's suffered, but the whistle still blows and they've they still they still play football soon afterwards. But they've never seen something like this where a player is actually still at risk 
right now as we speak of passing away way too at way too young an age he's just in his he's not even through his second year in the league and like th- this is just too this is too early for someone like someone to go out i mean it always is but like imagine being around our age and being at risk um to actually pass away like that's it's too early for this kid um so i don't i don't blame the league for how they handled it because this is how it's how it's played out is that usually the player has been okay like the vast 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 majority of the time so i don't i just don't i just don't blame them so that that's kind of that's kind of my uh my take on these things because like you know this this hasn't happened before um and i i real i really hope that it doesn't and an, an, a side note to it is that especially with the Tua Tungavailoa situation earlier in the season when he got he got smacked this was also in Cincinnati coincidentally and then his fingers were doing that strange thing that was really scary and i think that on top of this they might be lo- we might be looking at some more postponements when we see serious injuries like this like maybe down the road a thing like what happened in new england with the lions the lions young defensive back maybe that game doesn't get played maybe it get it gets that also gets postponed to a later date so maybe they take more precautions and they look more into the their teammates mental health so that's something to look at going down the road is where the the league turn turns into I don't want to say an overcorrection because this is still a serious uh, incident, but they could wind up making adjustments to um, look at this down the road. But I wanted to change gears again. Uh, this is going to be a quick episode. No commercial breaks. We're not going to play that intro uh, for you guys. Um, so I wanted to look into how this game was covered on Monday Night Football by ESPN. So I kind of, so I don't know how how you felt about it, Tuck, but what I noticed is in the direct aftermath, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and also the the staff in, in the studio kept on throwing it to commercial breaks. And when they weren't on commercial, they were all, they were always saying the same thing. Is that football is irrelevant right now, which is true. It's a irre- it was it was irrelevant next to this kid's this kid's life, and that all we should be thinking about is Hamlin's health, which is also true. They were saying all true and relevant things, but that's kind of all they were saying, repeating over and over again, which is what everybody agrees with. The the whole audience is they're, they're all thinking the same thing, but. Part of being a journalist, and this is what this is part of what makes your job a tough job as a journalist, is to be able to cover the subject that's going on, even if it is a sensitive topic. And I get it; these guys they don't want to say the wrong thing, they don't want to say something that comes off as insensitive. But you still have to be able to give us something. This is national television where this happened on, so you have a large audience. 
People are wanting to know what's going on. People want some context. People want to get some guests who might be able to provide some content to give us what's going on. And they didn't give us any of that. And you need to be able to inform uh, who your audience who is watching this uh, and give them context to what to what is happening. Because this is a this is a serious topic. People want to know. Um, people want to know what's happening. Um, so the the crew the crew was Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. Uh, sideline was Lisa uh, Lisa Salters. Uh, among people and the and the studio were Adam Schefter, Booger McFarland. Um, but talk. What did you What did you think about how they covered the game? I think in. As it was going on, I think they did the best what they could in this unfortunate situation. You can really ask them much from them, considering how severe the situation was. I mean, they were trying, like, they came to watch a football game, not to see the tragedy that unfolded on the field. So they were professional. They did the best that they could in the moment that, in what the information that they had. They tried to give updates immediately as possible. They tried to prolong commercial breaks so the NFL world didn't have to see what was going on. But unfortunately, the, the situation just like you couldn't avoid it and you just kind of had to talk about it and you kind of had to like brace for it. So in, in the immediate aftermath of it, there was nothing like I think they handled it as well as they could have in the as it was unfolding what happened the next day afterwards i think they could have handled better but as far as that night on monday night i think they did the best with what they could with all the crew members that were there and the professionalism that was given to it but i don't see how espn could have done much better than they tried listen i understand the situation that they're in right like this is a this is a tough topic to cover there's you there's not there's a thin line for you to to walk along um, without losing your balance and saying something that could come off as uh, either insensitive or something that's irrelevant, like talking about scheduling. What are they going to do? How are they going to reschedule this game? Of course, they don't want to cover that. But there's a lot of details that happened that night that they could have been giving us that were pretty important. Like the fact that um, bi- that Bengals players were going over to the Bills locker room to console with um with the the Bills roster. That's something that's important. I that's something I would have I would have liked to like to hear about or how um how this or maybe this kid's background, where he's from, um go give a little synopsis of of his life, what's happened, you know, his career um his college career in at at uh, Pittsburgh, you know where? Uh, what was his major? I'd love I'd love to learn about this about this kid's life, especially, you know, you know, like, and how about the fact that he has his own fundraiser? Like all this stuff we had to learn from Twitter, and the other like ESPN who should be telling us this stuff, they're just saying the same thing over and over and over again. And look, I get it. This is a this is a very tough this is a very tough touchy, sensitive topic, and you don't want to say the wrong thing. But somebody has to say something, especially the journalists who are supposed to be informing the public on what's going on. 
because this is this is a serious topic. We want to know we want to know what's happening, um, so that we can stay informed. So that's kind of the only, that's the issue that I had. Is you know it's a tough situation, but th- it's this is a tough this is the tough part of our job, and unfortunately we do have to we do have to touch on that, especially since you, you had on ESPN you have so many former NFL athletes who could be talking about the locker room culture and what go what you know what um, they could be going through, um, you know as a brotherhood, because that like. I mean, the you saw on the side on the sidelines when they were give they were sending it to shots of, you know, uh, players crying. Like we could you we could have gotten some insight on what they could be feeling right now, and that's something that that's something that we we need to be, you know, getting as a public. That's the that's the issue that I had. Um, but like I said, I understand the situation. It's a tough situation all the, all around. Um, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to switch to another situation, another, um, another angle for this, which is does like how the league handles this going forward. So obviously they don't want to push players to play in their traumatized state. And every schedule solution opens up its own can of worms. And it's hard to think, it's also hard to think about this part at all when this kid's life is still in danger. So I don't even think they're thinking about it right now, but somebody right now is, is trying to, is trying to figure out how they're going to do, how they're going to do this down the stretch. Now, just to be clear, all of this in this last part is irrelevant next to everything else that we just covered. But it's still something that someone is going to have to figure out sooner or later. Uh, what do you think the league will will do moving forward to to sort all this out? I think, <clears throat> uh, I think they'll try the best that they can with the situation unfolding. I don't think there's going to be too many changes outside of maybe player safety. But as far as going forward, I don't know what people want the league to do. There really isn't much for them to do outside of what they're trying to do right now. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really an expert on this. I don't know where the league should like go from move going forward i know we're always trying to evolve to do the best for the players but at the same point in time as unfortunate as it is but i don't know i just don't know where to go from here if i'm the lead it's just the way it is right now and it's unfortunate as it is i don't think anything's going to stop i think that's just how it is i if i'm the league i don't know how to go forward yeah and that's kind of like you you're not when it comes to scheduling I've not and I've noticed this you haven't seen any sort of pushback from anybody outside of the league about what they should do because they like they're like do we know what to do like we don't even we don't even feel like we should be t- we we should be touching on this until this kid until we find out that this kid's okay if he is 
And like any scheduling solution, it opens up some sort of can of worms on like what they should do. For example, if they call this a tie, well, like Cincinnati was ahead. Why did why do they have to be in a in a tie with the team that they were ahead of? But if they call this a win for Cincinnati, there was only we you didn't even get through a quarter of football. Also, um, if they were to schedule it for this week, which it's already that's already not going to happen, it's been announced. Then that that means both the Bills and the Bengals are playing on short rest, and that only that's only an issue for me because that opens up. Uh, that makes that puts both player both teams in this situation at high risk for injury and for players who make a living off of their bodies if they were to get injured and it's something serious then that's an issue and you, you see like this opens a whole can of worms now the the situ, the solution that i've seen that is held the most water is that they reschedule this game and they put it um after week 18 they push the whole postseason back one week and they have a week 19 just for the Bengals and Bills but that still has its has its issues as well because if they were to do that then that gives all the other teams um who are in the postseason an extra week of rest and that's a week of rest that the Bills and Bengals aren't getting for no fault of their own. And then that that also opens up problems with injuries. And if the furthermore, if the Bills win, they get 2 weeks off. They wouldn't get 2 weeks off. They would they would still get like you see how this ca- this causes like something something goes wrong with any sort of scheduling uh solution that you could come up with. So you can't blame for the NFL for not knowing what to do because we don't either. And honestly, it's the last thing that's on our minds right now because we we want we are focusing on um, sending out our thoughts and prayers uh, to this young kid, Damar Hamlin, who is still in critical condition in the hospital. And I don't know, Tuck. Do you have anything more to add on on this issue? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, I think this is going to be it for us tonight. As I mentioned, all of our content has been moved. Um, at least anything that doesn't have anything to do with this for the foreseeable future until we get more updates on uh, DeMar Hamlin's health. Um, thoughts and prayers go out to this kid. And honestly, at this point, football – Football is irrelevant to this. I mean, I'm not even thinking about playoffs or anything until this kid's okay. Um, but we won't do our whole outro. But thank you for tuning in during this time to our audience. Um, we do have episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can find us on all our regular platforms. We're on YouTube as well. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for listening to us. We'll see you whenever we're back. That might be Friday. We'll see. Um, but we'll see you guys later. Over and out.